North Korea is the impossible state. It's a place that stumped leaders and policymakers for more than three decades. It has a complex history, and it has become the United States' top national security priority. Each week on this show, we'll talk with the people who know the most about North Korea. Good morning, everyone, uh, and thank you for joining us this morning. I think there's nearly 400 of you in person and online, so thank you for joining us for this conversation about the recent trilateral leader summit between the US, Japan, and Korea. Uh, my name is Victor Cha. I'm Senior Vice President for Asia and Korea Chair here at CSIS, professor at Georgetown. Um, by way of introduction, let, uh, let me uh, offer a little bit of context for our discussion today. Um, as some of you know, I've been studying the U.S.-Japan-Korea relationship for decades. My first book actually was on uh, the trilateral relationship and how invaluable this relationship was for U.S. Uh, strategic interests. During the Cold War, the United States saw these individual bilateral alliances as a strategic trilateral whole when it came to defense and deterrence. And in the post-Cold War, they also saw the institution as important for promoting values and democracy and support of the liberal international order in a part of the world that had not yet fully accepted uh, these values. Um, in the long history of this relationship, there are probably two historic moments that I would highlight. Um, the first was in June of 1965, a positive moment when the United States helped to broker the normalization of diplomatic relations between Japan and South Korea, um, um, uh, which led to the uh, flow of technology and economic assistance that helped to launch the South Korean economy. The second, a negative moment, was in 2022, when Japan-Korea relations really plummeted to one of their lowest points in history. Uh, assets were th under threat of being nationalized, Countries were being put on export control lists. There's talk of decoupling from an intelligence sharing agreement. There was no dialogue taking place between the leaders of the two countries. And so it's in this context that I would argue that the Camp David summit of August 2023 uh, constitutes sort of the third historic moment uh, in this relationship. The scope of the agreements that were reached are quite impressive. Um, the institutionalization of these high-level meetings, including summit-level meetings, the creation of a new name set of trilateral exercises, and many other agreements and cooperation laid out in the statement on supply chains, combating disinformation, promoting coordinated development assistance. This institutionalization of the trilateral relationship um, is simply unprecedented, and it really transforms these alliances into uh, something quite new. Um, so in 1965, when Edwin Reichauer worked feverishly to try to bring together, just to bring together the foreign ministers of Japan and Korea, 
You probably never imagined what we're seeing today. Uh, thanks to the hard work of these three gentlemen on the stage this morning. Uh, Kurt Campbell, one of our nation's most creative, if not the most creative uh, <laughs> diplomats um, of uh, US strategy in Asia. Ambassador Cho Hyundong, who before coming to DC was the point person for crucial agreements between Japan and Korea that allowed, facilitated the improved relations today. And Ambassador Tomita Koji, one of Japan's most capable and experienced diplomats, who worked incredibly hard to facilitate the dramatic change in relations over the past year leading to this moment. Um, so the significance of the Kent David Summit cannot be overestimated, and I'm glad we're here to discuss the reflections, opportunities, and challenges going forward. I will turn the floor over now to my colleagues, Christopher Johnstone, Senior Fellow in Japan Chair, former NSC Director for Japan, and Dr. Ellen Kim, Senior Fellow and Deputy Director in the Korea Chair to carry forth the discussion. Good morning, everyone. I'm Chris Johnstone, Senior Advisor and Japan Chair. And again, I want to welcome Dr. Campbell, Ambassador Cho, Ambassador Tomita. Really a great pleasure to host you here this morning. Um, maybe if I could, I'll start with just a, a broad question, really, for each of you. Um, I would just invite you to offer your reflections, perspectives on what you think were the most significant uh, outcomes from the meetings at Camp David and, and perhaps anything that you think might have been overlooked or underplayed in the coverage in the coverage here. Maybe I, I'll start, if I may, with Kurt and then go to Ambassador Cho and then go to Ambassador Tomita, if that's okay. Yes. Kurt? Great. Um, <clears throat> first, uh, good morning to everyone and many thanks to Victor, Christopher, all our friends at CSIS for hosting uh, uh, this meeting today. I will also say that uh, you know, there's a lot of folks who help play a role in building bridges. And I would say the quiet encouragement and work of institutions, particularly CSIS, has been central over uh, many years. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, you're supposed to be um, uh, steady, unemotional, and just sort of take it in stride. Um, I found that difficult at Camp David. I, I found myself um, uh, emotional. Uh, I, I found it, uh, uh, Chris, extremely powerful at a personal level. Uh, I've done diplomacy for almost 30 years. I, I personally have not experienced something quite like that. And, you know, it, it, in the arsenal of diplomatic uh, uh, features, Camp David plays a rare role. And the fact that we were able to meet there and sort of consecrate this three-way relationship was extremely powerful. And the, the power of it, like you would be in a room or a cabin and people would say, oh, this is the cabin that Menachem Begin stayed in. This was Jimmy Carter's cabin. This is where Churchill slept before the meetings about you know the next phase in the Second World War. You, you feel, in, in many respects, even more than in the White House and other places around Washington, sort of walking in the footsteps of history. And I was struck and impressed by how much my Japanese and South Korean friends understood that, recognized it, and I think appreciated it. I, I would also say that was very much on display is uh, something that I don't think gets as much attention, Chris, is 
you know, the, we all have challenges in our democracies. We all have issues that we, we, we grapple with. But one of the things that was clear to me was um, I saw very clearly over two days the, the strategic empathy that uh, President Biden has in these circumstances. So just to give you an, uh, just, uh, just a quick insight, so um, I think as you all know, uh, President Yoon's father died just days before the summit. Um, he was his driving inspiration. He was one of the people who most supported um, uh, uh, rapprochement with Japan. He was one of the first exchange students as a young man to go to Korea in the 1960s, uh, to go to Japan in the 1960s. So the president insisted that he wanted to talk to President Yoon before the beginning of the summit, got him on the phone. And usually those calls are quick, I'm really sorry, but this was an extensive call in which they talked about family, they talked about President Yoon's role in his life. And, um, uh, you know, I, it's busy period. I watched the president take, you know, 45 minutes to go through very, very clearly a heartfelt appreciation for his role and for President Yoon's loss. And then when we were in um, the next day, when the president was meeting with Prime Minister Kishida, he basically said, look, I know you're going to be facing some difficult times with respect to um, uh, Fukushima. And I want you to know that the United States is going to be with you and we're going to support you even though you're going to face dis disinformation and challenges. And so a, a real sense of understanding sort of the political circumstances. And so I will say that, that uh, I like very much the way Victor laid it out, Chris. I think the things that are going to be most important um, will be the institutionalization at every level. Uh, three leaders meeting every year, investing in a very high-tech hotline that we will utilize. The fact that um, we'll have our national security, my advisors, our secretaries of ministers of defense, our secretaries of state meeting regularly, we believe will help propel this relationship forward. I think we are under no illusions that we will face challenges. But the hope will be this time that because the United States has now basically underscored that it has a stated interest directly and publicly in this uh, powerful and positive trilateral that we will engage to help ensure that whatever rough patches that we have, Chris, that we will get through together. Thank you. It's terrific, Kurt, thanks. I mean, there's certainly nothing like the intimacy of, of Camp David, and as <laughs> yeah. you said, the. You know, the institutionalization of the relationship was very much a theme here. Pastor Cho, may I return to you for your reflections? Well, first of all, I'd like to join uh, Kurt. I'd like to echo Kurt uh, what he said and about the significance, historic significance of this Camp David Trinitrus Summit. Well, when you, but, uh, when you look at the press coverage, I think uh, most attention has been focused on uh, something like a strategic implication toward China or some uh, security arrangement in response to North Korea's provocation. But I also like to highlight, highlight some uh, point that made this trilateral summit uh, so special. First of all, our three countries are the engine of a global economy. So last year, I think the total GDP of the world, uh, I think uh, reached 105 trillion US dollars. Mm -hmm. but among them, three countries combined GDP 
account for about 31% of gold in world GDP. And I think uh, more than that, uh, we three countries are the leaders of high-tech industry. And uh, they are leaders in cutting-edge technologies. And they are you know, also leaders in many uh, advanced uh, industries like um, you know, EV manufacturing EV batteries and semiconductors and 5G, 6G communications. For instance, uh, we three countries provide, I think, almost 80% of uh, semiconductor manufacturing equipment to the world market. And the Korea and Japan companies, I mean, companies from the two countries will supply, I think, uh, almost 90% of uh, batteries which will be used in, in the United States the next year. So the deeper cooperation amongst three countries will, I think, facilitate uh, the more resilient and safer supply, global supply chain, which is, I think, a uh, benefit, benefit for all. And number two, uh, as President Biden publicly said, the three countries are kind of a force of good across the Indo-Pacific which I think we share universal values of uh, democracy, freedom, and rule of law, and also human rights. So we are to uh, promote and enhance uh, freedom and, and, and peace uh, in, the, in the Pacific, I think, region. And this is not by word. For instance, uh, I think also a total, I think, combined uh, amount of uh, official development assistance, ODA, account for 40% of global ODA. So uh, also in deeper cooperation among the three countries in this field will definitely benefit millions of people in the global south. Uh, one other point I'd like to add is uh, three leaders agreed on the stronger cooperation in the field of people-to-people uh, -people exchange, in particular among the younger generations. And they agreed to uh, hold a kind of a global youth summit next year. And President Yoon is a strong believer of people-to-people -people exchange, in particular among the younger generation. Because the, the stronger cooperation uh, among the younger generation will lay the foundation for the future cooperation of three countries. So city of Busan will be proud of hosting uh, next year's uh, youth summit and so uh, in Korea, I think I'm going to stop. That's great. Thank you. I, I like that phrase, a force of good across the Indo-Pacific. <laughs> That's uh, speak to the expanding basis of, of the cooperation among these three countries. Ambassador Tomita, may I invite you to offer Oh, thank, some thoughts. thank you, Chris. And uh, I thank uh, CSIS for having us uh, for this very, very important occasion. And uh, I agree with uh, Kurt and uh, Best John. Um, it was a historic occasion. And uh, we had a venue, um, very fitting venue for this historic region. It was incredible honor uh, to share with these two guys the privilege of being in that meeting. Um, as uh, Kurt um, noted, there was a lot of symbolism. Um, I, I was watching uh, the leaders departing the, yeah. the podium, the press conference, and dis disappearing into the greenery of De Camp David. I was, was just like uh, watching the end of a film. 
Um, <laughs> so there was a very uh, symbolic moment uh, during the meeting. But uh, the meeting was more than symbolism, I think. Produced uh, uh, very important uh, deliverables. Um, to my mind, there are three things that stand out in terms of the concrete uh, outcome. The first is um, uh, we agree to work for stronger coordination between two alliances. You know, we, we always had a very robust alliance between the United States and Japan, the United States and ROK. But now we are talking about uh, stronger coordination or connection, if you like, between these two alliances, which will enable us to respond uh, uh, to um, um, with the uh, greater uh, deterrent response of capabilities to the increasingly uh, uh, um, troubling uh, security uh, situation. Uh, so multi-domain uh, exercise, uh, start sharing the uh, missile warning data and so on and so forth. So I think those things will contribute to this end. The second thing is, as uh, Ambassador Cho mentioned, we are broadening the horizon of our cooperation in terms of uh, uh, geographic outlook of our cooperation. Uh, we have been mostly con concentrated on, on the uh, uh, what is happening in the Korean Peninsula, but we now we're looking at the broader uh, security outlook. We even discussed Ukraine, for instance. And also, we are also taking care on the emerging policy challenges like economic security. So I think we are talking about, uh, you know, expanding trilateral cooperation, um, covering uh, broader region and broader policy areas. The third um, outcome, I think, which is very important is to, was uh, we have managed to put in place a mechanism uh, for developing uh, you know, closer habit to consultation. So the leaders will meet annually, ministers will meet annually, security advisors will meet annually. Um, and those uh, uh, new mechanisms will help us bring our cooperation to the next level. So uh, the meeting was rich in symbolism, but also rich in substance. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you, Ambassador Tomita. Ellen? So let me ask you about the commitment to consult, uh, this trial error agreement to consult and coordinate response to region challenges, which was a really impressive outcome. But the Camp Davis statement also have a paragraph of the caveats emphasizing uh, sovereign rights and the primacy of the bilateral security treaties as well as international and domestic law. So could you tell us a little bit more about the meaning of the um, this how we how we should understand the meaning of this um, commitment and why this agreement is so important to each of your country. Maybe may I ask you, Ambassador Tomita, to start? And then yeah, of course, uh, absolutely. Um, this uh, commitment to consult. You know, like I said in my previous uh, uh, statement, we are trying to work on stronger coordination between the two alliances. This is something that would underpin uh, this. Uh, our efforts, and in fact, you know, after the uh, the failed uh, satellite launch a few few days ago, the the foreign minister immediately uh, consulted um, over the uh, telephone, 
So this is something that underpinned uh, uh, the stronger and deeper uh, alliance, uh, trilateral cooperation. But at the same time, you know, as, as I noted, we have had very robust alliances existing bilaterally between the United States and Japan, the United States are okay. So there are a lot of undertakings to consult under this uh, alliance uh, mechanism. So uh, the caveat is just a health warning, not to complicate, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the existing uh, uh, understandings to consult. So I, 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 I don't think we should read too much into this, this caveat. It's uh, just a bureaucratic thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that Tamita Sun just said it's just a bureaucratic thing. That's, that's great. Um, uh, so, so I would just point out that you know, in terms of these two alliances, we have about a, over 150 years of experience uh, with them together. So, um, in many respects, we understand some of the challenges, some of the ebbs and flows. I, I would say that I think what the statement and the meetings underscore is uh, a general proposition that a challenge to the security of any one of the countries uh, affects the security of all of them, right? And that, that is a fundamental um, foundational understanding which is underscored in the statement. I think there is a recognition, and Ambassador Tamina, I think, um, presented this well, that on many issues uh, we should uh, uh, get in the habit of consulting more directly uh, in ways uh, that, uh, on issues that affect our um, immediate uh, or our uh, uh, collective security. And, you know, what we have done in the last several years has been primarily on the Korean Peninsula, but I think our ambition is to increase the geographic scope and the general framing of these discussions to issues uh, in cyberspace. I mean, we the leaders spoke quite a lot about cybercrime from North Korea. We have a special uh, group that's going to meet to start uh, working in this area. Um, I think we recognize that we have a lot of work that we can do, do together in the Pacific. Uh, they spoke about the South China Sea. They spoke about Ukraine. They spoke about Haiti. So many different areas that I think suggest that we have the opportunity to interact more directly. And so I, I, I think um, uh, I, I tend to read the document as ambitious in this respect. I think those caveats are put there for a good reason in the sense that our fundamental treaty obligations uh, go through the Senate. These are taken carefully and we want to begin um, carefully as well, not to overstep, to build this trilateral cooperation step by step. So I, I do think it's ambitious, but I think it has also been put in the appropriate context as well. Yeah, uh, well, again, I'd like to echo what uh, Kurt and Ambassador Tomita elaborated um, on this. And let me just briefly uh, underline one point. Well, uh, I think this is some clear and loud expression of the leaders uh, of their political will for future cooperation. 
in terms of uh, security challenge in the, in the region. Uh, as we know, uh, we have a bilateral arrangement between Seoul and Washington and between Washington and Tokyo. We have mutual defense treaty. And also uh, between Japan and the United States, you have some kind of uh, similar security agreement. But in between Tokyo and Seoul, we don't have such legal arrangement. So with this uh, trilateral commitment to consult, I think uh, our security cooperation has been elevated to higher level for the future. Yeah. Chris, can I yeah, also please. say one other thing that this is perhaps just a subtle matter, but I think an important one. I, I think, you know, if you look at these complex relationships for us in Northeast Asia, over time, I think there is undeniably a paternal quality to some of those interactions. And I thought what was on display in, um, in Camp David is a sense of three equal, powerful, committed, determined nations meeting on equal terms. I, I, I had that sense, Chris, more than I ever had in the past, that, that these, are not, these are no longer lesser, weaker, stronger, older brother relationships. These are relationships in which each country takes responsibility for consultation. I will also say that on many of the issues, the leader uh, of progress was not necessarily the United States. It was Japan or South Korea, given on specific matters, on technology, on Ukraine. And to see that, to witness it, was deeply powerful. Thank you, Kurt. Let, let me ask our ambassadors about the reaction in your respective countries to the developments at, and the outcomes at Camp David. I think it's fair to say that in both countries, uh, this rapprochement, both trilaterally and bilaterally, between your countries has been somewhat controversial. I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> President Yoon has faced criticism at home for his bold leadership and improving ties with, with Japan. Uh, and I think Prime Minister Kishida, at least early on, faced some skepticism about, about the opportunity that was emerging. So I'd ask each of you, could you share sort of what has been the reaction at home uh, to the outcomes at Camp David, and what more is needed to sort of reinforce, solidify the progress uh, that's been made. Maybe I'll start, if I may, with Ambassador Cho and then invite Ambassador Tomita. Well, it's um, a tricky question, mm -hmm. but um, <laughs> let, me, let me answer in a very simple manner. Well, I, I think I've seen some public opinion poll uh, conducted in, in Seoul right at the trilateral summit. Uh, well, President Yoon's approval rate has gone up. And also uh, saw that I think probably two-thirds majority of uh, uh, the Korean people support the trilateral uh, cooperation and trilateral security cooperation in particular. So I think um, I'm, I'm witnessing more and more favorable and positive uh, uh, public uh, reaction to the trilateral cooperation and also uh, when you ask about the bilateral uh, relation between Seoul and Tokyo and public reaction, okay, also let me rephrase that. You see now we are witnessing fast growing number of tourists between the two countries. Mm -hmm. That is the public reaction to the improvement of relation between Seoul and Tokyo. And there will be more. And I'm quite sure that more and more people in Korea will understand the desire and intention behind uh, President Yoon's initiative, very bold initiative toward uh, improving relations with Japan. Thank you, that's great. Ambassador Tomita? 
Well, if I may uh, state my conclusion <coughs> first, I think a domestic response in, in Japan has been generally very positive. Uh, of course, we do have a share of people who are doubting um, the, uh, the effectiveness uh, um, of this uh, undertaking. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I should remind you that uh, this trilateral meeting uh, was uh, possible uh, on the basis of the improvement uh, in our bilateral relations. And uh, I remember President Biden uh, speaking about political college of both uh, President Yoon and uh, Prime Minister Chida uh, during the press conference. And indeed, there was a lot of college um, uh, that needed for the uh, uh, bilateral, uh, 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 the improvement in bilateral relations. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I, I feel very strongly about this because I was um, previous ambassador in, in, uh, in Korea. Uh, my, my only complaint that, uh, is that uh, why we couldn't do this earlier so that I could uh, have some <laughs> bragging right uh, about it. But uh, anyway, uh, so uh, the trilateral was possible uh, because uh, we had a better bilateral relation between Japan and OK. But with what has been achieved in Camp David, I think we could now um, expect sort of virtuous cycle developing, trilateral, deepening trilateral cooperation having a positive impact on the uh, bilateral relation between Japan and ROK. Because trilateral cooperation will, uh, you know, I'm sure it will lead to a close alignment of uh, security and diplomatic outlook. I think that is a positive uh, to bring uh, our two countries together. And also, the broadening horizon I mentioned, I think it's, it's going to be very positive as well because, you know, previously I think uh, Japan and the ROK were too much obsessed with our bilateral relations. We are only talking about what we should do or should not do to each other. Now we can talk about what we can do together for the broader uh, good of the region and national society. That will make, uh, um, I think, positive impact on our, you know, how people look at each other. And, uh, create a very positive foundation for the progress. Can I, just one thing, Chris, sure, if I please. could just say, um, uh, when we were briefing the president in advance, and you know, you're the, you know, it's parts of Camp David are quite rustic, and so we were meeting with the Secretary of State and our National Security Advisor, briefing him, and in, in, the, in the day before, we were reminding the president that each of these leaders have demonstrated remarkable courage, and they face some headwinds at home, some opposition. And the president stopped and remarked how many of the initiatives that had come out of Camp David had actually come from circumstances where the leaders faced domestic opposition and that they stood the, the, the test of time. And I, I will also say, look, um, the credit goes to South Korea and Japan. 
It is true that we help play a role behind the scenes and do things for a period of time and supported it, but that's where the credit is due. I will also just underscore, I think one of the ways, Chris, that, that it is important to help um, ensure that this agreement um, stands is that it that that these two leaders receive the credit they deserve internationally. I, I just want to just underscore this. I do not believe there is any development in international relations in the last several years um, that can match this move towards uh, greater peace and stability. So it is that significant, and I just hope that many of the institutions that basically reward and acknowledge international statesmanship tend to favor other places and other regions. This, this is a very significant development that needs to be acknowledged internationally, and that international acknowledgement will then have domestic consequences. So it is usually the case that domestic issues inform international politics, but in this case, international recognition and acknowledgement will have a deep impact on domestic politics. So I just, I wanna say that I do not believe that there's any acknowledgement, any accolade that um, uh, Prime Minister Kishida and President Yoon do not deserve. Thanks, Kurt. It sounds like your dream has come true. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Campbell and Ambassador Cho, um, so the joint statement have a number of impressive area of uh, economic and technological collaboration among the three countries, but it is also the case that uh, many Korean, Japanese, and American companies are fierce competitors in many sectors and industry. Um, and it also, uh, economic security has become national security, and even allied interests do not always align. So, for example, there is no reference in the joint statement about uh, limits on the um, outbound investment to China. So, is this likely to be the uh, challenging area for the three countries to build a more corporate agenda? Um, may I start with uh, Dr. Campbell? So, look, I, I, I think. Um, First of all, just as a proposition, it is undeniable that uh, technology represents the um, emerging arena of the most intensive competition and cooperation uh, between allies and partners. So I think the way you presented it is exactly right. I, I, I would also say that even a step further, I think all three leaders acknowledged that increasingly our governments need to field senior practitioners who actually understand the decisions on technology that they're making. And I am often struck that I'm in meetings um, where we're making decisions on things that are very hard to fully grasp technologically and understand. Um, and I admit that readily. Um, so one of the things that the three leaders agreed to is to begin a executive training program for senior officials, rising officials in all three countries that will help you know, spend uh, weeks together, months together, learning about the ramparts of technology, AI, and quantum computing, so better able to make uh, joint decisions. I, I think the truth is that, that um, Japan, South Korea, and the United States are practiced at the art of understanding how to navigate 
both competition and cooperation. I think that is a key study for how to maintain strong relations, even in the face of fierce competition. And so I think that represents, in many respects, an international ideal. I personally believe that the three countries are quite aligned with respect to how they see the challenges in the region. Um, the challenges that Russia presents to Ukraine, the provocations of North Korea, and the desire to have a steady, predictable relationship with China, but also concern about uh, increasing provocations and uncertainty uh, emanating from Beijing. Ambassador Cho, do you have anything to add? Well, just briefly, um, well, in the, um, the, uh, the system of uh, market economy, the old companies in the same area, they're sometimes competitors, but at the same time, they're collaborators. So I think um, the um, trilateral cooperation in the field of in business and industry are strengthened among the government. I think the, the companies of three countries will follow the way. For instance, well, as I, as I mentioned, uh, for the manufacturing sector of the electric vehicle batteries, there are three major Korean companies. And on the other hand, there are three major automakers in the United States. So now, these three companies have their own pairing partnership with the other three companies. Mm -hmm. For instance, LG uh, made joint venture with uh, GM, and Samsung made joint venture with um, Stellantis, yeah. and um, SK made a similar, mechanism, similar arrangement with Ford. So all this kind of partnership among the three from Korea, three from the United States, will make, um, I think, uh, the uh, EV battery, I think, EV uh, electric vehicles industry in the United States more, I think, prosperous. Uh, and, and the collaboration, will, we're going to see more and more collaboration among the countries concerned. Thank you. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's turn to North Korea, and then we'll, we'll get to China before we, we open things up a bit. Um, I think you could say that North Korea is beginning to reopen, if that's the right word. Uh, Defense Minister Shoigu uh, and a senior Chinese uh, Politburo official were in uh, Pyongyang for the anniversary of the, of the Korean War. Press reports about North Koreans who were sort of stranded overseas when the pandemic uh, set in, now returning. Um, so a sense that re-engagement to some degree is happening. And I wonder, um, for Ambassador Cho, um, do you see any opportunity for dialogue with North Korea? Is there any opportunity that might emerge here uh, as, as this reopening, such as it is, proceeds? Or are we just going to see more focus on the relationship between North Korea and Russia and China? And then for Ambassador Tomita, if I may, Prime Minister Kishida has renewed calls for dialogue with North Korea on the abductions issue. He characterized it in the press conference at Camp David as a, quote, humanitarian issue with time constraints as the, uh, as the families of the victims age. What are the prospects from your point of view uh, for dialogue uh, with North Korea on this issue? Maybe first to Ambassador Cho. All right, uh, let me first underline the point that uh, in the joint statement, we call it Spirit of Camp David. The three leaders, again, reaffirm their strong commitment of, uh, to the uh, denuclearization of uh, North Korea, DPRK, specifically DPRK this time. And also, uh, they, they reiterated their uh, commitment to the 
resumption of dialogue with North Korea with no preconditions. Well, but when it comes to the uh, possibility of uh, reopening any uh, dialogue with North Korea, well, we are witnessing uh, continued provocation and, uh, well, continued uh, North Korea's uh, commitment to launching missiles. And they say they're going to do it again in October. And uh, so probably uh, the opportunity for uh, reopening the dialogue with North Korea is not likely for the time being. But on the other hand, we are going to uh, strengthen our cooperation, for instance, in the, uh, on the issue of uh, North Korean human rights by uh, enhancing awareness, awareness of international community, the reality of the human rights situation in North Korea. This, uh, uh, this time, I think for the first time, we include the issue of unrepatriated uh, prisoners of war uh, together with the issues of, of the tea and um, other North Korean refugees, which is also significant. Uh, so at the international uh, forum, our three countries will take the lead in consolidating, uh, I think, international support for North Korean human rights and also in, in response to North Korea's, I think, continued provocation. Thank you. Ambassador, Ambassador Tomita. Well, first of all, I, although I mentioned uh, uh, the broadening horizon for triangle cooperation, that doesn't mean that we are going to dilute our efforts on North Korea. Uh, on the contrary, I think we'll be um, seeing much more robust efforts coming from our alliance on the basis of closer coordination among three countries. Um, that being said, uh, the issue of reduction is, like you said, Chris, uh, extremely serious. I met uh, um, abductees' families visiting the United States uh, several months ago. Um, it was really heart-wrenching um, story. Uh, um, and uh, there was a palpable uh, sense of urgency because, as you said, the, the abductees' fathers and Mothers uh, um, getting into old age, uh, even some of them have passed away. So there's not much time uh, left for these families to, to see their loved one coming back. So that's the reason why uh, Prime Kishida has been calling on North Korean government, North Koreans uh, to, uh, to start uh, um, dialogue uh, with a view to solving this uh, extremely serious humanitarian issue. Um, unfortunately, we haven't seen any any um, uh, window or, or for dialogue developing. Um, but I, I think the important thing is to to maintain solidarity, national solidarity is, is a very important um, uh, means of finding a solution to this and. To, for that reason, we very much appreciate very strong words of support coming from both uh, President Biden and President Yoon uh, in the Camp David. Yeah. Let me just add just one simple Please. point. I mean, so as to achieve the goal of uh, common goal of denuclearization of North Korea, the, any kind of dialogue or engagement or negotiation with North Korea is vital, vital element. Without any engagement, it's, we cannot I mean, achieve this goal. So the uh, door for the dialogue 
and resumption of the engagement is open there. So I just like to urge North Korea come back to negotiating table. Thank you. Very good. Uh, Kurt, Kurt, did you want to no, comment on that? Okay. Um, so let's talk about China. Um, for Ambassador Tomita and Ambassador Cho, as you know, China is not happy with the Camp David summit, and both of your government have indicated a desire to uh, stabilize relations with Beijing, and both President Yun and uh, Prime Minister Kishida have proposed resuming the um, Korea-Japan-China trilateral process. But do you think that that will be now more difficult in light of the Camp David summit? How do you see, uh, how do each of you see the relations with Beijing going forward? And um, Ambassador Tomita, I also have a follow-up question for you. Um, how do you assess the, uh, China's reaction to the release of the uh, treaty water from the Fukushima power plant? Uh, do you see that this is going to further repeat the progress between uh, Japan and China? Uh, maybe, maybe okay, so, well, um, as far as the, uh, China's uh, reaction to trilateral summit is concerned, we have seen some negative um, uh, reaction by Chinese government. But to me, their reaction is more rhetorical than substantive. So my personal feeling is their reaction is quite reserved. And uh, as far as this trilateral cooperation among Korea, Japan, and China is concerned, well, there's been a few years of a hiatus uh, in terms of a trilateral summit meeting. The last meeting was 2019. So as a chair and host of this uh, upcoming trilateral uh, I think summit meeting among the three countries, now Korea is making every effort to consult with these two countries to uh, uh, hopefully to, uh, uh, we'll be able to host a trilateral summit meeting well, toward the end of this year. And so far, the reaction from, well, from Tokyo is always positive. And also uh, from, the, from Beijing is, I'd say, is quite forthcoming. So um, we look forward to um, hosting this, another trilateral meeting anytime soon. Well, I think, um, at the press conference or in other occasions, I think our leaders made it very clear that this initiative um, is not directed to any specific country. Um, although we uh, have uh, sent a very clear message um, about some aspect of Chinese behaviors which um, we found troubling, uh, but while sending uh, uh, these messages, uh, we also have made it very clear that uh, we will continue to work uh, to find a constructive and stable relations with, with these countries. I think on that score, I think all three countries agree. And um, as far as uh, the uh, discharge of treated water uh, from Fukushima Daiichi power plant, we, we call it Alps treated water. Um, you know, this is an indispensable step toward the commissioning of, of the, uh, the Fukushima Daiichi plant. We, we haven't made a decision in any haste. We took many months um, trying to find the best uh, and safest uh, solution to this extremely serious uh, challenge. And uh, our system will 
allow us to purify all the nuclides except tritium. And as far as tritium is concerned, we are going to reduce concentration of that uh, nuclide to the level far, far below the nationally accepted and the scientifically uh, based uh, international regulatory standard. And uh, in the process of reaching that conclusion, we have been engaging relevant international organizations, most notably IAEA, and reaching out um, all the relevant uh, countries, interested countries in the region and beyond, including China. Um, and of course, uh, the IAEA, in their comprehensive report, uh, concluded that, that there will be a negligible impact on human health and oceanic uh, environment. Uh, so, uh, after we, we started this church, I think we have seen um, the very broad understanding expressed by the international community. Uh, but the Chinese response um, was, in our view, out of proportion in its philosophy. Uh, they have instigated a very blistering, blistering attack um, against our, our action, which we think uh, is not based on science. And also, they have introduced uh, um, uh, countermeasures like banning the import of um, Japanese fishery products. And the more concerning is we started to see harassment directed against uh, Japanese nationals uh, li living in, in China. Stones are thrown into Japanese schools in China and so on and so forth. So uh, we are uh, calling uh, for Chinese government uh, to, to make sure that uh, about the safety um, of our citizens living there. So we, we, it is not our hope that, that this, will, this issue will stand in the way of our efforts to find uh, you know, constructive, stable relations with China, but we want to see a more responsible action taken by the Chinese government. Yeah, so alarming set of developments in a sense. But Kurt, please, I can invite you to comment just, on this too. Sure. Um, so I think we have to recognize and acknowledge that the Trilateral Summit takes place uh, in the midst of um, a, a very complex and challenging security environment in Northeast Asia. Um, and just to give you a sense of what was transpiring at, at roughly the same time, uh, as we met in Camp David, uh, Russian and Chinese warships were passing with a clear signal uh, to Japan uh, uh, in a way that was uh, unmistakable. Um, we are facing increased Chinese activities against Philippine friends uh, in the South China Sea in uh, uh, waters uh, territorially. Uh, uh, aligned with uh, the Philippines. Uh, we've watched as India has uh, engaged uh, China on possible steps uh, to try to um, uh, improve the security and political situation along the line of actual control and discussions in South Africa with facing enormous challenges there. We see North Korea increasingly 
um, strategically um, uh, working with Russia and also with China. So uh, a, a, a shifting security environment that is um, complex and challenging to all three democratically elected governments. And so I, I, I do want to just underscore that I think um, what was important at the uh, at the summit, uh, Chris, was that um, the leaders not only discussed all the areas that we were going to work collectively going forward, but they tried to align their views of what was transpiring uh, in the region, uh, uh, generally Northeast Asia, in Asia per se, and broadly internationally. And I will say that uh, for at least my years, I have rarely heard such a broad sense of consensus about what the challenges that each of us uh, uh, face more directly. And so I, um, I, I think it is undeniable that the security environment uh, is concerning to all three. And the, I think the appropriate response are exactly the steps that the leaders took at Camp David. If you have a question for one of our experts about the impossible state, email us at impossiblestate at csis.org. If you want to dive deeper into the issues surrounding North Korea, check out Beyond Parallel. That's our micro website that's dedicated to bringing a better understanding of the Korean peninsula. You can find it at beyondparallel.csis.org. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's so more listeners can find us. It's very helpful. We're now also streaming on Spotify, so you can find us there too, where you find all your music. How cool is that? And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Impossible State.